And there we go. We are back again for another fantastic conversation on Friday Night Counterattack. And once again, I'm blessed by the presence of Tony Afoke. So, Tony, thank you very much for joining us today on this very special podcast. How are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, looking forward to talking football with you. And thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Um, just remind everyone. Actually, you don't have to remind them because they don't actually know. But would you mind telling everyone why this is a very special podcast um, for us? Um, obviously the World Cup's coming along and Qatar is going to be uh, a crazy tournament and I'm lucky enough to uh, go to Qatar with um, HBS, which is a production company FIFA are using. So I'm going to be well amongst it. It's my first, well, it's not my first major tournament, but it's my second, ma- second major tournament this year and I'm really excited to be working in Qatar, going for six weeks and experiencing my first ever World Cup. Ooh, I was so looking forward to seeing that as well. I was so happy when I saw the news as well. And I'm really happy for you, man. So congratulations once again, off air and on air and on chat. But no, I needed to get that out. I'm really happy about this. And I thought, you know what? Whilst you're off to Qatar, I need to get your thoughts on, obviously, the Qatar World Cup. I need to know who you're really looking forward to. I really need to know what kind of players you're looking forward to seeing at the World Cup for the last time. Obviously, with some players being in their last World Cup as well. And... Um, we'll talk about like the favourites and we'll talk about who you think could be the top goal scorer. But also, I want to do a five-a-side with you at the end, um, as we tend to do on this podcast as well, normally. So I'll let you choose a topic at the end of the conversation, if that's all right, Tony. It's totally fine. Brilliant. Let's get, let's get right into it, shall we? First things first, um, how's it going to be for you when you're out in Qatar? Are you going to be working alongside like just a production company for any type of game or are you uh, circling one type of team? How's it going to work for you? So we're... So I'm going out in um, a couple of weeks' time, so we've got to get there before all the teams are arriving. And we're just basically in, in charge of all the content that's going to be put out by FIFA to all the broadcasters. So we're going to be in charge of, like, what team, what every single team, all 32 teams, or what, like, content they're going to use, how they're going to do it. They have to, like, go through us and everything. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be meeting a lot of people from a lot of nations, but we're all here celebrating and look forward to a tournament and a first tournament in the Middle East for um, for a World Cup. So it's going to be like uncharted territory, but at the same time, I'm looking forward to it. Nah, it's fantastic to hear as well. And have you got everything ready? You've got everything prepped for your time over in Qatar? Um, you know what you're going to be expecting for the hospitality that you get in the Middle East? Because it's next level in the Middle East for hospitality. You may, have, you may even gain a gut whilst you're out there as well, Tony. <laughs> I've, I've been told that um, I'm going to enjoy the food out there, so I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, um, I've sorted out like where I'm going to be working in the um, and where I'm going to be staying as well and like my travel and all that. So yeah, everything's sorted. So it's just now waiting till I get out there. Fantastic. Now, I'm loving this. And it's, uh, it's so nice to see as well, because again, we're seeing you on TalkSport. We're seeing you working with BCOMs as well, which is fantastic to see. And now we're going to be seeing you working with the um, with the broadcast company or the production company, I should say, uh, at the World Cup in Qatar. So I'm really happy to see that, Tony. And first question for you for today, what's the one thing that you're most excited to see at the World Cup or who's the one player you're most excited to see at the World Cup coming up and why? Oh, um, the one player I'm excited to see the most is Kylian Mbappe. Ooh, seriously? Yeah, because there's a lot of media speculation going on with him at the moment. Mm. And I feel like the media is trying to create this narrative around Kylian Mbappe. And this is this is a guy who was instrumental in France's win of the World Cup, last World Cup in uh, Russia. Mm. So now he's older, he's probably a better player than he was back then. 
And he might have to leave this France team with the likes of Kante out and Pogba that might be out for the World Cup. But he's going to have to leave this France team to try and win it back to back. So all eyes are going to be on him. And I know there's rumours saying that he wants to leave. So this is this is a chance where players that are in and amongst transfer rumours and that are playing in the World Cup, this is where their stock can either rise or their stock can go. Or we find out a breakout player. Like we saw it, I remember in the 2010 World Cup, in South Africa, we saw breakout players like Sami Kadira, Ozil, and that's when they all got their moves to Real Madrid. And in 2014, we saw it with James Rodriguez as well. So you always have those players that have like a really good World Cup and then their stocks rises and they get a big move. I'm not saying that's going to happen for Mbappe because I don't know where he's going to go yet. But I feel like with all the media speculation and transfer rumours, it's going to be, that's the person I'm looking forward to, to seeing the most. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how Mbappe does because it's a... It's almost a new look France team as well with the likes of Camavinga coming into the side, Chumeni coming into the side as well. Um, you're seeing like Upamecano coming in at centre-back and obviously Arsenal's William Saliba getting into the squad recently as well. So it's a fresher looking side for France as well. And uh, personally, do you, th- do you think they're going to be up there with the favourites um, for the World Cup? Um, I do, but only thing is is, is what Didier De- is who Didier Deschamps takes. Because France have a ridiculous amount of talent in their talent pool. And I feel like on paper, well, Pogba's been pictured back in Juventus training. So I feel like with a month under his belt, he could be within that France squad. But we all know N'Golo Kante is out, so we're going to see the likes of Shroumeni and Kamavinga. And like they've still got Giroud, Mbappe, Ousmane Dembele. Like, this is France. France have had a ridiculous team. But it all Big depends boy, on... Big Ballon d'Or, Benzi as well. Exactly, Benzema's going to be in a World Cup because he missed out in twenty. He missed out in twenty eighteen. So I'm really looking forward to this France side. I feel like they'll be in and amongst it, even though they're missing the likes of Kante. And I think any nation in the world would miss the likes of him. I feel like they've still got enough talent to be in and amongst it, come uh, the semis or final. Yeah, fantastic. Because I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more from Usman Dembele because I've really wanted to see him do it properly in a French uh, major tournament with all of his injury issues and his um, off well his, his form being bad for the last few years as well. It's nice to see him back in the French side as well. It will be nice to see how, I think for, for someone like me, we see more of him playing good in a French on FIFA than we do in real life, unfortunately, or in these international <laughs> friendlies. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does well, um, linking up with the likes of Giroud, Benzema, Mbappe as well. And obviously with Antoine Griezmann, if he gets back into this right form for uh, France to see how they get into this um, into this attacking squad as well, which would be very good. Now I need to talk to you about England because obviously you're going over, you're going to be following all the teams, but you may have a close eye on England as well. Actually, that was an assumption. Do you follow England as your first team, Tony? Um, yeah. Yeah, was that, was a P- that was a PC answer, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 I do. But at the same time, if Nigeria and England are playing, I think I'll support Nigeria. Um, that, that's just me being honest. But no, that's, fine. that's That's what we're here for. Um, but no, I'll ask you about Nigeria as well, because I'd love to hear more about that as well. But no, um, England first, Tony. What's your thoughts on them, objectively speaking? Objectively? Well, this is the thing. I don't like watching England. And the reason I don't like watching England is because we play boring football. <laughs> so in a World Cup, obviously it's different. The Euros, I was gassed and everyone was gassed and we were loving it in this country. Um, I'm worried for England this tournament. And the reason I'm worried for England in this tournament is not because of England players. It's because of how the media runs it and what everyone is expecting. And I feel like everyone has to lower their expectations when it comes to England. We've been very lucky in the past two tournaments that England haven't really played good sides. I know in the last World Cup, we, what, 
Sweden, Colombia on penalties, and then we lost to a Croatia side. And really and truly, we should have been beat. We should have beaten Croatia. The golden generation of Croatia as well. Modric, exactly. Rakitic, Brozovic. Um, who was the other one? You had Olic there as well at a good tournament. Madzukic, Perisic in his prime. They had a really good team, but more time, if we played Croatia now, you'd expect England to beat Croatia, right? So that was our chance to go to a World Cup final. And then in the Euros, fair enough, we beat a Germany side at Wembley. Fair enough, we beat them 2-0. But then we had Ukraine. Then we had, um, in the semi-finals, we had Denmark. And then we lost to an Ita- we lost to an Italy side in which we started brightly and then just took our foot off the gas. So really and truly, if you look at it, we've played three decent teams in, the, in our past two tournaments. And I don't think we're going to get the luck of the draw ag- that again. Like, when are we ever going to play... Denmark in the semi-final again. When are we ever going to play Ukraine in a quarter-final again? Do you know? So, I'm not saying England are going to do bad, but everyone is saying, listen, we've got to a semi-final, we've got to a final. Now it has to be a final or semis minimum. I feel like everyone needs to lower their expectations, especially from the... I don't want to read too much into what we've seen in the Nations League. I know we got relegated from the Nations League, but that's the Nations League. I don't want to read too much into that. But as long as England fans lower their expectations, I still feel like we have a tournament. I trust Gareth Southgate. And the only reason I trust Gareth Southgate is because tournament football, like England's, we have this notion because we all watch Premier League football and we watch these England stars play in the Premier League. We feel like, oh, they should be the best in the world, right? But it just doesn't work like that. And tournament football isn't about the best team. You don't really get the best team winning the tournament more time I remember Portugal they didn't even win a group stage game and they won Euro 2016 so the best team in the tournament doesn't really win all the time I, I can say okay France in 2018 were the best team there but they didn't win and then let's say Germany in 2014 but other than that not always the best team when when Portugal won their Nations League they weren't the best team in there the best team doesn't always really win I feel like with tournament football you've just got to find a way to win and with Gareth Southgate it's like you shut up shop at the back and then you just try and make it work without any like attacking patterns and not playing free flow football which I'm okay with I know everyone's saying that we've got so much attacking talent and stuff like that but I don't feel like I feel like even if you play that type of tactic the attacking talent won't it, it will still show but it just hasn't like England don't move the ball quick enough there's a reason we can't fit in Trent Alexander Arnold into this side. So I trust Southgate. I trust Southgate to take us into another tournament. But it all depends on the permutations of what happens and who we play against. Because if we we need to win this group, if we win this group, we can roughly play Senegal in the round of 16. And we should beat Senegal. But then who do we have in the quarters? I feel like we could get knocked down in the quarters if we find a big team. So um. I'm not worried about England, but as long as people lower our expectations and we get a quarterfinals, I don't think anyone's going to... People will moan in this country, of course, but I feel like quarterfinals is where England are going to be at. I mean, that's what people do in England. They like to they like to moan and complain quite a lot as well and act entitled in a way as England fans, as we've seen previously as well. Just like you kind of said as well, we expect them to do so well because we see them in the Premier League playing amazing football week in, week out. But for me personally, I've said previously as well, Phil Foden still doesn't have a certain place in this England side because he doesn't fit on the right side for me. Uh, for the fo- for the formation and the tactics that we play as well, he doesn't penetrate the defences enough like he does at Manchester City because uh, he can't do that at England. So it's a prime example right there as well. But yeah, if you're going to go for like a round of 16 or a quarterfinal place for England as well, I think that would still be a good tournament because I've said previously as well, there are a lot of teams that have evolved over the last two years or the last year or so since the Euros as well 
Tony. So I'm looking at it thinking there's a lot of teams that have stayed unbeaten. There's a, a lot of teams that have brought in fresh young players from the Euros as well. So even though we're like, oh yeah, we should have beaten Italy, we should have been better. You've seen a lot of teams do a lot better with their younger talents coming through and their new managers coming through as well, which is really nice to see. Like Luis Enrique at Spain, still a hidden gem. And literally a lot of the Spanish side are still getting downplayed of how good they can play. And they got to the semi-finals of the Euros, losing to Italy on penalties, if I remember correctly. I should remember. I was at the game. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's really nice to hear your thoughts on England. Now I need to hear your thoughts on Nigeria because we know they're not in the World Cup, unfortunately. But we also know they bring out some really good World Cup memories as well. Not just the kits, not just the way that they're playing, but they have some very good and some very bad memories as well, Tony. So if I can get one good and one bad memory from yourself, because for a lot of people, when you're watching Nigeria in the World Cup, they normally just remember Nigeria versus Argentina um, in the yeah. group stage games, which is like a common thing. It's as common yeah. as any international fixture as well. But um, if I can just get your favourite Nigerian memory and your worst memory for Nigeria. I may I may know your worst Nigerian memory, but I'll see I'll see if I get it right or not. Um but no, um what's your best and your worst Tony? My best was uh World Cup 2018. We played Iceland and we won two nil Ahmed Musa got both goals and that, I was that goal by Musa as well was so sick. So yeah. like the one that I think it was like voted like top five in the World Cup as well where he just like took on the play, sat the goalkeeper down and he just like took them on scored yeah. top corner. Fantastic goal. That was during, so I was on a stag do during that. I was on a stag do in Ibiza and uh, we were watching that at Ocean Beach. You know, the one that Wayne Lineker owned. So we were watching that game at Ocean Beach and it was like a, a lot of Nigerian guys. And I was just looking at my brother and I was like, when are we ever going to watch like the World Cup at a beach club and it's Nigeria? Like, this is amazing. So that was one of my best um, Nigerian moments in the World Cup. My worst was 2010, Yakubu, that miss. I knew it. Oh. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, oh man, he that, had that Rivaldo uh, moment. Yeah, I think it was against Greece. Yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, that was that was horrible because I remember Taye Taiwo whipping it into Yakubu, and he just. I, I don't know how he missed it. I can't tell you what he done. It's not like normally if you you're in that situation, the guy's leaning back or like they're out of balance. He it just cannoned off his foot and completely missed it. And we went out in the group stage. Like I, I find it annoying when Nigeria go out in the group stages because we're a good enough side to at least get a round of 16 and give a team a go. Like I remember we lost to France in the round of 16 in uh, 2018, if I remember correctly. But we're, I always expect Nigeria to at least come second or get out of their group stage or go into the third place playoff they have now. But as you said, we're not in the World Cup. We lost, uh, um, we lost on away goals to Ghana. Which was oh, really annoying. Yeah, that, that must have hurt you so much as well with the with the classic rival we see a lot in Ghana and Nigerian fans as well. And be, what hurt me even more for the rest of November as well, which would be so exactly, bad. exactly. And what hurt me even more was that our keeper at the time was Francis Uzoho. Now, if anyone is a Man United fan, he had a literal literal masterclass against Man United the other day. And, I'm, and the reason Thomas Partey scored that goal was a mistake by Uzoho. He went straight through his legs. And so that was really annoying for me as a Nigerian and a Man United fan because you got the worst of both situations. Yeah, like I saw him having a masterclass at Old Trafford, but when your country needed you the most, you don't, you went and done that. So yeah, it wasn't nice to go out on away goals as well. But and I feel like could be wasting. This was a really good Nigeria side. I feel like, I don't want to say a golden generation, but we get into that stage where we have really good players in Europe, and this was this would be, this would have been a time to showcase our talents in the world. Like I look at the, 
I know Ghana are in that group page. Let's say if Nigeria in there, I feel like we can beat South Korea. We'll give Uruguay a good game. Uruguay are not the same. It's not like Suarez and Forlan in their prime anymore. Do you know what I mean? I feel like Uruguay are not the same. We could get a draw out of that. Portugal, maybe let's say a loss. And then we go through either second or third, at least if we have a positive goal difference. Like the next we you know we're in the round of 16. So I really like, I looked at that. It was a wasted opportunity. But we've got a couple of nations coming soon. We've still got a lot of young Nigerian talents coming up. People like Adamola Lookman are now in the side as well. And he's having a great season at Atalanta so far. Oshiman for Napoli as well. So we've got some good talents. And next World Cup in uh, USA, Canada, and Mexico, we'll, we'll be there. You'll bring the Niger vibes to the USA. I love it. It'll be fantastic to see. Because you've got USA, Canada. Plan. Yeah, that's the plan. You've got USA, Canada and Mexico. The flavours that you'll be seeing in, in those countries as well will be unbelievable as well, which will, be, which will be the one to go for. But no, thank you very much for sharing your personal um, thoughts on Nigeria and on England as well. Now I need to get you to tell me a bit more about five players that you're looking forward to seeing for the last time at the World Cup. Because I've got quite a few. There's a lot of players that I think won't be at the World Cup for the last time. We know the obvious of Ronaldo's and the Messi's, but are there any teams that you're looking thinking this could probably be the last time we'll be seeing, for example, Neymar? Because he said that he doesn't want to play football uh, any longer as well. There are talks of, obviously, if I don't think Cavani's going to the World Cup uh, for Uruguay, but this could be his last one if he gets selected. Um, but do you have anyone in mind that you're thinking, you know what, this could be the last time I get to see him as well? Yeah, 100%. I feel like Neymar is a good example. I feel like this is a massive, massive, massive World Cup for Neymar mm. because if he wants to cement himself as one of the Brazilian greats, because I feel like he will end up as an all-time Brazilian top goal scorer. But I if think he, wants he is to, already. Oh, is, oh, there you go. Mm. So it, the fact that you... But one thing he doesn't have that all the great Brazilians have is a World Cup. That's the one thing he doesn't have. He's given Brazil a gold medal, but he hasn't given them a World Cup. So this is massive for him. This could be his last World Cup. Another person, Luka Modric. Yes. I feel like, it's, listen, it's going to be Luka Modric's last World Cup. What a player he is and what a World Cup he had last time. If he can do it one more time or even just do whatever with that Croatia side. I expect Croatia to get out of that group. I expect them um, to win that group as well. They've got Belgium, Canada and Morocco, I think. Yeah, they're very capable of winning that group. So yeah, Luka Modric is one person. I am... Um, I, I don't, it's it's going to be fun watching their last World Cup. Obviously, Ronaldo and his last World Cup. Um, who else? I was trying to think in the England side, is there anyone that's going to be in their last World Cup? But I don't think so. I like think I the, only, think the, the only close one I can think of is probably the oldest players that we have in our squad are like Carl Walker, Trippier, Mings Carl and Walker Henderson. Trippier, yeah. Those are the only kind of ones I can think of because Kane's definitely got one more in him. Uh, the keepers are young enough. The, the defenders besides that are young enough as well. We've got a very young mm. team so far besides like Henderson, Mings and yeah, the right backs, Trippier. That's uh, Walker's injured. And Walker's injured, exactly. So I'll say if Walker wasn't injured and if he goes, I think it'll be... It will be um it'll be good to see Carl Walker's last World Cup because I've been hearing his praises a lot recently. I know we had a uh, Danny Simpson on a show a couple of weeks ago and he was saying like he's one of the most underrated right backs ever. And I remember um Vinicius or was it Vinicius or Neymar saying that like, Carl Walker's one of the hardest defenders he's ever gotten up. Like he's just so physically good and and a good reader of the game. And he's going to go down as one of the best Premier League right backs of all time, whether we like it or not. He was doing bits at Tottenham before he was doing bits at City as well. So if he was going, I would say I would I would miss him. Obviously Argentina, um, Messi. But I feel like this. I don't want to say it, but could this be Lewandowski's last one? 
It could be. It could be. You know, it's, it's a good uh, shout. He's thirty. He's thirty-two or thirty-three. How old is he now? Thirty-four, thirty-three. Do you think he's going to be playing at the age of thirty-eight? I, I think he can. I, I think he's got that in him. You know. Yeah, and it all depends what Poland do, and if Poland have that striker and Poland can replace him, which I, I don't, I, I don't watch under twenty one Polish football, so I don't know. They've got Milik, who's a very good striker, who's at Juventus now as well. But it's the rest oh, of the yeah. team you're kind of thinking of as well. Like, how did they kind of? It's kind of like with what uh, Argentina have done with Lionel Messi. They've built the team, this young team around him, to make it easier for him to play his natural game. Portugal haven't mm. really done that with Ronaldo, but they've still got quality elsewhere as well. We'll have to see if Poland can actually do that to get another qualification because it could easily be like an Italy or a Sweden that qualifies next World Cup and that's Poland out exactly. of the World Cup. And especially with the next... Even in Norway as well. Even in Norway with Haaland coming through and Odegaard being fantastic young talents in the Premier League as well. But remember for the next World Cup as well, Tony, three places are already taken up by the hosts, which is crazy to see as well. So you're going to have less yeah. qualification points as well, places to go into um, as well. Yeah, that's true. So that's, yeah, that's Lewandowski is going to be one as well. Uh, Busquets, Busquets, if Busquets goes, I feel like Busquets goes. If he goes, and I feel like he will go, it's going to be, Busquets is one of my favourite, probably my favourite DM of all time. I think he makes the game of football look so easy. I wish if there's one player I could play football with, I feel like it would be Busquets because he just, he would just make me feel like a, a 10 times better player he'll find me in positions that I didn't even know I was in so yeah Busquets is, is would be my last one that is one person I'm looking forward to see if their last World Cup if they, if he goes which I, I feel like he will go yeah surely you need Busquets in this team as well which would be great to see uh, going forward as well um, but no thank you very much for that now we're on to the, the five aside or the six aside of the week which you like to do this is going to be a tricky one because I'm going to give you a choice now Tony we're going to make our joint Five aside for rather current players at the World Cup or one player per the last World Cups each. So you have to go from like 2018 to 14 to 12, no, to 10, so to 10, to 6 and to 2. Or we can do against each other for this World Cup. So your choice completely, Tony. I want to do the, the nostalgia one. I like that. Go on, let's do the yeah. nostalgia one. Um, you choose first. So you can only pick one player per, yeah, per World Cup. I'm not going to oh. limit you with nations because I don't want to bore you, but one one player per World Cup. And why? Because we can't just go like, oh, this version of, for example, this version of David Villa was, this, was better than this version of David Villa. It has to be yeah. the specific reasons why as well. Okay. 2014, Ochoa. Ooh. 2014, Ochoa. Not 2014, Tim Howard. No, nah, I know Tim Howard had that game where I think it was the most World Cup saves ever. But against Ochoa, Garner, though, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was yeah, against Garner, the Ops. Exactly, who can't finish <laughs> against the Ops. Yeah. So if that was Nigeria, I don't think he would have had that same game. So I'm going to put 2014 Ochoa because 2014, they were great players, but James Rodriguez was a standout player. But standout keeper for me was Ochoa. So that's got my keeper sorted. That's okay. 2014 Ochoa. 2018... Modric. 2018, Modric 2018. holding it down. Ballon d'Or winning Modric as well. Ballon d'Or winning Modric. Carried Croatia on his back. Do you remember his goal against Argentina as well? Whew. Do you no. remember that? Oh, no, I do. I do. That was, yes. Gosh. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, 2018, Modric, definitely. Because he had that really good game. He had that really good tournament. But that goal against Argentina. I forgot who was in goal. It may have been uh, Caballero in goal for them as well. Caballero, yeah. It is really good. So you've gone for... 
Achoa, you've gone for Modric. Uh, which tournament are you going for next? You've done 2014, you've done 2018. Now you can go as far back as you want. 2006, Cannavaro. Won the Ballon d'Or that year, led Italy into a World Cup. You stole my choice, man. And I need, and I need, and I need a defender in there. So 2006, Cannavaro. Oh my days! Did you was that your first World Cup or was that your second World Cup? I'm trying to. I want to say that was my first World Cup I watched properly. I remember England going out to uh, Brazil in 2002. I remember watching that in primary school. I remember them Likewise. weeding out that TV, mm. that thing in primary school. But the but I felt like the first World Cup, like I remember every single game and watching it and being like, okay, this is a this is a World Cup. I'll say 2006 was my first proper World Cup. Like I remember 2000. I remember certain games 2002. But I, I can't remember the whole tournament. But yeah, 2006 was my first proper World Cup. And what a World Cup that was. I like I, People like to say that 2010, I feel like the younger generation on Twitter now was like, oh, 2010 was the best World Cup. And I was like, nah, you guys don't remember 2006. You missed like, I remember out, the open, made the opening day. Philip Larkin, Torsten Frings as well. Oh gosh. Costa Rica getting bodied in the, in, against Germany. Crazy to see. Literally. I remember that Torsten Frings goal and then Philip Lahm was a youngster as well. Yeah, so many people came out of that tournament. So, But I would say, as, as my defender, 2006 Cannavaro, definitely. Fantastic. And then who are we going for? We've gone for a midfielder. We've gone for a defender. We've gone for a goalkeeper. This is where the fun begins now, Tony. Who have we got now yeah. in your attack? So I'm going to go two attackers and I'm just basing them off the tournament they had. 2010 Forlan. You idiot. I'm sorry, but Forlan you, just, and you stole two of my plays just like that. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't even give you a warning of what we're doing. And you stole two of, your, two of those plays off the top of my head. Insane. Oh, great minds think alike, eh? It's true, it's true. Uh, but why Diego um, Forlan for our listeners and uh, for yourself? He, I, I don't know what witchcraft he done on that Jabulani ball, but he just mastered it. He scored ridiculous goals in that World Cup. And this was a player that obviously played for Man United as well. So I had he was he's a little cult hero for us for what he done at Anfield at that time. But he just mastered that Jabulani ball and the free kicks as well. The, the like if you go if anyone's listening to this, just go watch Diego Forlan's performances at the 2010 World Cup. He scored a banger against Germany as well. In that against World Germany, yeah, mm. he scored another banger against um, Ghana as well, if I remember correctly. Was the Ghana one the the free kick? When he just like yes. he just on the just, corner of the box, but and you see yeah. the camera angle corner of the box, the corner of the box, and you see the camera angle just following it, dipping up and over. It was absolutely ridiculous. Like I Which don't know problem? what he done. His way, I don't know the way he hit the ball and the way the ball moved. Because I remember like the whole notion behind it was that that new Jabulani ball and stuff like that. But he just mastered it. He honestly just mastered it, and I've never seen anything like it. Because you're looking at some of the plays as well, even from the 2010 World Cup. I think. Uh, I don't think Messi got a goal. Ronaldo got one goal against North Korea. Rooney mm. didn't score. All of these top players didn't score. Uh, Tevez did well at the World Cup as well. David Villa did yeah, as Tevez well. But Forlan was the master of that Jabulani ball, which was insane to mm. see. And the Germany players, obviously, because they played with it six months prior um, from January onwards because they got to uh, use it beforehand, which is quite good. But Forlan was a different animal, like you just said as well, um, in 2010 for that World Cup, which is crazy to see. Now we've got one more player, but who are we going to go for? Are we going to go big or are we going to go like cult hero type? What are we going to go for, Tony? No, I think I've got to go big here. Uh, 2002 R9. Scored, scored in the final. Was that your one as well? <laughs> I shouldn't have been too polite with you and I should have got one at a time to let you go. But no. <laughs> yeah, we should have. We should it's have. all good. It's, got, got, me think, it's got me thinking. It's got me thinking. I've got my thinking cap on now, which is good. 
Oh, should, no. I, should I take Ronaldinho? No, should no, I no. Ronaldinho? Actually, no. If you take Ronaldinho, that would be that would be better for me because I, I yeah. wasn't going to pick Ronaldinho. Um, but no, Ronaldinho broke my heart, like you said, in primary school. I think that was one of the games where we got to stay home to watch it, which is quite good. So we had to go to school afterwards. So yeah, mm. my heart was broken that day from Ronaldinho. That was my first time watching Ronaldinho play, and you're like this guy running through the middle of the the, the park after we're one 0 up, set up Rivaldo to score to make it one one. Then he scores that ridiculous free kick against David Seaman, who just gets embarrassed by falling back into the net as well. And with the team that we kind of had as well, like Danny Mills at right back, Nicky Butts centre midfielder as well. I think we had um, Teddy Sheringham coming off the bench as well. So it goes to show that we had a few little injuries in that side as well. It wasn't our best England side, but that was the best Brazilian side I've had the pleasure of watching so far as well. And mostly down to like Ronaldinho and Rivaldo and Ronaldo. All these names that people, like you said, the younger generation don't appreciate and don't understand. If they watch them live, they would appreciate it and they would understand as well. 100%. 100%. It was going to be R9, obviously, for the two goals in the final, but I'll give you I'll, I'll, I'll give you R9. But yeah, that's my team. So 2010, Ochoa. 2006, Cannavaro. 2010... Um, Modric. No, no. 2010, um, Forlan. Forlan. 2018, Modric. And 2002, Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho. Fantastic. So that's in there as well. Now I've got a force this narrative somehow because I'm not sure how I can go for a better a better World Cup keeper than Ochoa um, you know what I'm going to go for 2014 again but I'm going to go for Keylor Navas as my goal yes keeper. yes got that move to Real Madrid after that yeah he had a very good World Cup just like you were saying as well um, he was in the group where we had England Uruguay Italy and Costa Rica and out of all the teams who came top Costa Rica Costa Rica they yeah. went through they did really well going forward and Keylor Navas was a big player in that tournament. Manuel Neuer obviously was probably the best goalkeeper of the tournament. Um, but to, for, mem- for nostalgic reasons as well, I just remember Keylor Navas that literally just said bursted onto the World Cup scene. Some players we like to see on the World Cup and they have fantastic tournaments, but they don't replicate it when they get that big move. Keylor Navas mm. was one of those players who actually built up to his reputation at Real Madrid and was a fantastic player to watch and to really, really enjoy and to really appreciate as well. I may have taken an L here, Tony, by going for 2014 Navas instead of 2014 Lionel Messi. But um, I'm going to try and go for more cult hero type players as well because it gets a bit boring when you're picking Ronaldo and Messi. But Ronaldo, for me, has never really had a a good World Cup tournament besides 2018. Um, Where are we going to go through? We're going to go to 2006. And for me, if I'm going for someone from 2006, I have to pick Zinedine Zidane. So I have to remember the fact that he was a player who kind of came out of retirement I think a month or so before the tournament to get into the squad after he finished his um, career his club career at Real Madrid and he was somehow brought back into this te- this France team who didn't really have that proper midfield in the- at the time they had Makalele they had Vieira but they were kind of on their way out at the time in the French board because of how they were playing under I forgot the, the manager's name but Zidane just came in and he was just like coolness personified on the pitch and if anyone is listening out there I, I remember seeing a-, a video on the weekend by um, another podcast and they said Kevin De Bruyne is the better player than Zidane ever was and I just put oh, my hands I put my, I, I put my hands into my heads when I saw that and mm-hmm. I, I just sent it to my cousins I was like does anyone agree and like no and they're like it's just it's just Americans talking nonsense about De Bruyne I'm like like come on now if you watched 90 minutes of Zidane Zidane you've been blessed in football that's all I'm saying when you're watching mm-hmm. how he played the game of football when you're looking how he single-handedly for the group stages at least in my opinion got them through that group stage um, as well. And then you had other players coming back into form. You had Tierra and Reed getting back into form. Um, Zidane against that Brazilian side in 2006 as well. 
just watched watch the ninety minutes. Just watch that the was, ninety minutes. If anyone that hasn't watched that World Cup, just watch that ninety minutes of Zidane, just pure against a very good Brazil side as well. Let's reel off some of the names, shall we? Just to add some hype to it. So who you've got? You've got. You had the likes of like Kaká in the midfield. You had Gilberto Silva. You had Zé Roberto. You had Ronaldo R9. You had Ronaldinho. Um, you're looking through. I think you had was it Maicon right back or Danny Alves? I'm not sure Danny Alves was at the was on the scene. No, Cafu was still there actually. Yeah, Cafu was still there at the time. Yeah, R- Roberto Carlos was still there. Lucio was still there, and Dida was still there as well. And Zidane just made an amazing cross into the box for Thierry Henry to score, and Zidane dictated that midfield and that whole game in the World Cup, I think quarterfinals it was against Brazil. Yeah, he was gliding past them, which you don't really see people glide past Brazil. They normally do that against you and that's what was that. I remember that game, it was ridiculous. It's so, so good. If, if we had like one of those, I, I think it happens in a lot of countries now where they have like loads of clips and stuff, but in England, they used to sell like the World Cup DVD afterwards mm-hmm. as well, went off the tournament. And I just remember getting that DVD and watching like Zidane. I'm just like, this guy is just on another level and you're just enjoying it for the sake of enjoying it it's never always about goals and stats and whatever it's about how you can influence your play on 21 other players on the pitch and he did that he absolutely dominated absolutely dominated Brazil in that respect as well so uh, 2006 Zinedine Zidane is my guy I could have gone for 1998 but I've also just said on the podcast that my first World Cup was 2002 so I was never going to assume something that I haven't seen that's just not me I don't like to assume things that haven't otherwise I could have gone for like 86 Maradona, but I never saw him, so I'm not going to assume that I saw what happened as well. Um, so play it fair game, we're going to 2010, and we're going for someone who I think had a very good tournament in 2010, and I think this is where he kind of burst on the scene for me, and because I need someone in this midfield of Zidane to kind of just bring a bit of bit of flair to it, but I'm, I'm stuck between I'm stuck between two. I've got Ozil and my backup because I thought if you if you picked Ozil, um, I was going to go for Kaisuki Honda. Who also marked yeah. the oh, oh, what a guy. Yes, that yes, that World Cup. The he mastered kick. the free kicks as well, which is insane. Oh, You're looking what, at him like, what is this guy doing? Um, I think Keisuke Honda, I'll leave him as a shout-out because he was a fantastic player. Because I've seen your team. Yeah, honorable already. mention. Honorable mention, yeah. but he mastered the Jabulani ball as well. Absolute baller. I remember just ever since watching it, I had a fascination with the Japanese team after that 2010 World Cup with how they dominated with their technical ability as well. And I really like watching Japan play football. They're very enjoyable to watch as well. And it's really enjoyable, but I can't look past Meza Ozil in 2010. Another player where at the time, social media wasn't as big as it was then. So you weren't really aware of a lot of these foreign players as you were. Um, as kids nowadays, they can look on their phone and look at all these stats from different leagues and they can do, which they couldn't really do at the time. But enjoying Werder Bremen, Meza Ozil, make his move to Real Madrid afterwards, after what he did in that World Cup. That goal, I think you'll enjoy this one as well, that goal against Ghana, edge of the box, where it just one yeah. bounce, half volley, killed it, where he played against England as well on the counter-attack, him and Thomas Muller killed it. Um, I was going to say, Thomas Muller should have been, I'm surprised none of us said Thomas Muller, didn't he, didn't he finish um, top goal scorer? And he was he only like 20. yeah. But yeah. with Thomas Muller as well, you're kind of looking at it. He did really well in 2014 as well. That 7-1 defeat against Brazil was a very good one um, going mm. forward. But I think if we're playing on a five-a-side street, we need a bit of flair, don't we? So if we've gone yeah, for some yeah, flair... Yeah. Thomas Muller brings no flair whatsoever. It's just efficiency, mean machine, just going into everyone and just, just barking orders. We love it, but it wouldn't be good for the streets. We couldn't be, we couldn't be doing this on the high-rises of Tokyo. Or we couldn't be doing this on the on the streets of South London as well, wherever we're imagining our fantasy five-a-side actually happening. The favelas of Brazil could be, could be one as well, <laughs> which would be good. So let me go through who I've gone through already. So I've gone for Keylor Navas. I've gone for Meza Ozil. I've gone for Zinedine Zidane. 
It's looking very Real Madrid, isn't it? If I'm going to pick R9 yeah. Ronaldo. I have to pick 2002 Ronaldo. So um, Ronaldo was just the guy. And he was one of those when you're just kind of looking at the most amazing keeper I've ever seen was Oliver Kahn at the time. The most, what was it? What's the term they used? An unstoppable force meets an immovable object. And mm-hmm. Ronaldo just went past the immovable object twice. He moved the object, Oliver Kahn. And it was a fantastic World Cup final. I remember enjoying that properly because that's when you kind of enjoying peak Brazil with the players that they had, with the style of flair that they had as well. And just like you said with Ronaldinho, and we talked about Rivaldo earlier, some of these players were not just legends, they're icons in football. Like you can never go about thinking of Ronaldo without thinking of rather Cristiano or R9. And again, 1998, I, was, I, I didn't get to watch that properly or enjoy it properly because I was too young. But I know that was one where he kind of burst onto the scene across the world and he was Ballon d'Or winner as well. And then he had that whole issue with the final starting, not starting, being injured, the whole conspiracy theory about Nike forcing him to start. We don't know what actually happened, but we know he had a disaster class in the final. To have his redemption in 2002 and to win the World Cup with the buzz cut hair as well. I've, I've mm. never done that. Have you Have you seen anyone that's actually done that? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I was going to say, do you know how many people came in with that haircut after? <laughs> that little, it was ridiculous. In my school, it was like the Beckham mohawk like he had against Argentina. But I was yeah. trying to do that with my hair, but my mum was like, no, you're not cutting your hair today. You could just style it, but not cut it. And I was like, and I saw loads of people cutting their hair or having their hair cut and then just having that. And they were just like, they're looking, like <laughs> they're looking like, they're looking like a, a small bunch of motorbike, uh, motorcyclists. And I'm just kind of there looking like some people just style their hair up and I'm just there like, yeah, it's just falling down. So I just like get rid of it. But what was your, ha- what was your mohawk like, Tony? I had, so during summer, yeah, it was de- I think it was definitely after like um, 2002, I want to say during summer, like I literally just shaved my head, had like a little mohawk there. I had to get rid of it before school came back. But during summer, I remember I had a mohawk because so everyone wanted to be Beckham at that time, right? Especially as a Man United fan as well. Yeah, I love that as well. Because when you're looking at how Again, David Beckham, honourable mention as well. I can't pick him because I've used the years of 2002 and 2006 as well, so I can't pick him. But honourable mention for being literally England's captain for two of those World Cups in 2002, beating his demons and getting his redemption against Argentina in 2002. What a player. And in 2006 as well, that free kick against Ecuador as well. What an amazing goal in the round of 16 to get us through. And a proper captain's performance as well that we've enjoyed and what we'd like to see as well. So shout out David Beckham, honourable mention. But now I have to go to 2018. How am I going to go to 2018 um, for this one? Because I, I could go for... I need a defender, don't I? I've gone for attackers. I'm going to try and think of a defender that I think would be not just good, but somewhat enjoyable to put in this team. Because you're looking... I'm look, I could go for Sergio Ramos. I could go for Vida. I could go for Trippier. Um, but you know how I mentioned about Japan earlier as well, about some of these J- uh, Japanese players. I quite enjoyed watching some of them as well. One of the Yoshida. players, Yoshida, Yoshida was very good. Basami was very good in that side as well. Kagawa, big Man United player, um, or former Man United um, player as well. Was Endo? Was it Endo? It's rather Endo I have to go for, or Hasebi I have to go for. I think I'm going to go for Hasebi because again, I need that um, Japanese flair in the World Cup um, because you always see Japan and Korea represented I should have gone for a Korean player because of what they did to Germany that was iconic that was as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember watching that game I was watching it and you just see that was, was remember the, the counter attack mm. the counter attack really good game against Belgium they had a really good game against Belgium and then Nasser Chadley scored from a counter attack in the last minute and it was just yeah. heartbreak because I think they were leading 
I'm not yeah, sure if Endo scored or Hasebi scored as well. But I remember Japan, uh, Hasebi was the captain of the World Cup. I don't know if he was the one that scored. I need to research this later on. But he had three World Cups, 2010, 2014, 2018. And then it's just in that first knockout game as well. It was crazy to see what he kind of did. And I really enjoyed watching Japan in that World Cup. And I really enjoyed watching South Korea in that World Cup as well. But I'm trying to mm. think. For this, for this last defender from 2018... Do I go for Dio? Do I go for Diego Godin? Do I go for... It's just, I'm looking at these defenders. They're really good defenders, right? But I don't want them on a five-a-side pitch because I know they won't bring any flair or excitement. That's one thing of Hasebi. Because I could go for Varane. I could go for Champions League Varane, but I think Varane may be the best option. But that's just proper Real Madrid, isn't it? Yeah, that's going to be... It's just going to be your Real Madrid World Cup. <laughs> I can't go for Kieran Trippier. No, I can't go for uh, Kieran Trippier. Um... Yeah, he was very good. Uh, you know, I'm still thinking of like bloody Marcelo and stuff like that as well. Again, literally more players as well from Real Madrid. It's just Real Madrid dominated. You know what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be that guy and I'm gonna put Hasebi into there as well. I think he's a fantastic player. Played at defensive mid in the World Cup, but he can play as a centre back as well going forward. Very enjoyable player and plucky Japan did very well on that side as well. Shout out to Mexico as well, because it's quite enjoyable seeing Mexico um, at the World Cup. And Colombia. Colombia had a very good tournament. Um, those, are the, those are the teams you just love watching at the World Cup. Like, exactly. You don't need to see them often, but they always just show a good performance. Exactly. We don't have the luxury of watching all of these games live in the United Kingdom for some of these countries, and especially with the timing differences as well, and the broadcasters that sometimes do or don't put them on. It's really nice to see how they kind of go about. So, yeah, my team is 2014 Kalor Navas. Going for 2018, Hasebe. Going for 2006, Zinedine Zidane. 2002, Ronaldo R9. And 2010, um, Meza Ozil. It's a very good team. A lot of flair in that team. We need, we need the flair in the team. It's going to be a tricky game as well. But it reminds me more about, you know, that Adidas advert in 2006 when it's got like those two kids just like inviting players onto their team. Onto the team, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember how they had it? And then out of nowhere, they bring out Jermaine Defoe. Was it? Oh my gosh, yeah, the phone was in that advert, wasn't he? Yeah. That was, it, for, the world, was that for the World Cup. Was that for the World Cup? It was for the World Cup. And he didn't get picked because he picked Theo Walcott, which is crazy. You know what's funny? So, literally, um, for the B Cobbins thing yesterday, we had Darren Bent and he was mm. talking about the situation. Because so he was like, the, him and Defoe and Rui were like the top English scorers in the league, weren't they? Exactly. So the last thing was, it was going to be, he was he was saying, hey, he was texting Jermaine and he's he's known Jermaine um, since they were 15 years old. So they were saying, they both scored like 20 goals that season and they were both saying, is he going to be one of us to go to the World Cup? Are you going to be you or Defoe? And then they, we ended up picking a 16-year-old Fio Walcott, which then again, he had a good career for England. And, and then Defoe got his redemption in 2010, you know, saving us against um, Slovenia, US and Slovenia. But yeah, it's crazy to think that Defoe and Ben didn't go to the World Cup and we took a 16-year-old Fio Walcott. Unbelievable how that happened as well, because when you think about it, Walcott, he only went, I think, so one one extra tournament in 2012, yeah. the Euros, and then that was it. I mean, he scored against Sweden, which was nice, but he didn't do anything else in, in that tournament. No, he, he... Yeah, Aaron Lennon and Sean Wright Phillips went in 2010 to South Africa, and he stayed home um, under that one as well, which was crazy to see, but um, it, it was quite crazy. And England made some really odd selections as well, because Darren Bent at Charlton at the time, Defoe, I think he was at Tottenham at the time as well. 
both really good strikers and good fourth choice opportunities because Rooney was still out injured, picked in the squad. Owen, as we know, is made of glass. Then you had Peter Crouch up front against Trinidad and Tobago. And then who can we, we rely on? Theo Walcott. He didn't even get a game at this World Cup, which is embarrassing um, to really see as well. Um, but no, before we wrap up the podcast, Tony, I just want to say thank you very much for your time today. Now I need to get your big three predictions. Who's going to be your winner? Who's going to be your top scorer? And who's going to be your best young player coming through in this tournament? Um, my winner, I say Brazil. Ooh. Is it because they have too much attack and flair or do you reckon they've got a proper balance team? And I feel like the streets need Brazil. I feel like Neymar needs, because I'm, I'm a Neymar guy. I feel like he gets disrespected because he doesn't have that World Cup. Like the, the older generation disrespect him because he doesn't have that World Cup for Brazil. So I can't see, as if France were fully fit, I would, I would say France. But right now I'm looking at Brazil or even Argentina. But right now I'll go with Brazil. Are you taking over all. a Brazilian shirt to Qatar as well with Neymar in the back? <laughs> I, you know what? I can I, I have a bit of Brazilian heritage, so I, I can I, I can I can say that. So if Brazil win, some part of me could be happy. You can't um, leave us on. I've got Brazilian heritage. Where's your Brazilian heritage come from? So out of out, out of <laughs> nowhere, from, Tony. Not from my great grandma. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. That's there's bad. a lot of there's a lot of Nigerian Brazilians out there. I did not know that. I need to I need to research that as well, which would be crazy. So yeah. Winners are going to be Brazil. My winners, I'm going to go devil's advocate and go for Argentina. I think this is their time, mostly because of what I've seen from them so far as well. I don't want to assume there are going to be other teams. Spain are going to be a dark horse in my opinion as well. I think with Luis Enrique, they're one of the best coaches in the tournament. And I think he'll get their style of play doing really well in Qatar as well with the climate, with the stadiums that they've got as well. The, the teams that they've got to play against as well. I think they'll do very well. Um, in that team as well but I think if there's ever a time for Argentina to win the World Cup I think it's now with the group that they've got with the route that they've got as well um, that would be quite good to see how it goes but I'm going to go for Argentina um, what was my next one top scorer who's going to be your top scorer Tony my top scorer is going to be Mbappe Ooh. I have a good group to score against as well yeah they have Australia, Denmark, Tunisia. I can, I can see a lot of goals coming out of that. And if they play, if they play Mbappe off Benzema, I feel like that partnership will work. And I can see Mbappe getting a lot of goals. Here's a question for you: Who has the better attack, France or Brazil? I'm gonna say Brazil. The reason I'm gonna say Brazil is because I feel like France have a, an attack you can put out. So, for instance, I'll play a four-three-three and I'll put Mbappe, Benzema, Dembele. Boom. Mm better attack than Brazil but Didier Deschamps will not do that like <laughs> somewhere as well fitting Griezmann in somewhere as well as like a second striker exactly. perhaps as well exactly so that's why I'll go Brazil I feel like they can I'm not even going to put Anthony in there but you know Neymar Gabi Jesus Vinicius Rafinha so many players that you can put in there they're going to have a fluid front three and it's going to be a ridiculous front three I think given the current form as well, Anthony gets over Rafinha at right winger. Yeah, current, he, yeah. current form right now, yeah. I would put him in there. And then who would you go? You go Vinicius left, obviously. You go Neymar yeah. as a second striker and you go Jesus up front as well. Front four was ridiculous there. 
Or even form-wise, you could put Bobby Firmino in there. He's been having a decent season. He's been fantastic as well. I just want to see how they would all work together. That's going to be exciting to see. Because again, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon in their group as well. It should be goals galore from their side. Probably not against Switzerland, but um, Serbia and Cameroon, I would would imagine with the defences that they have, they should be getting past them, which would be quite good as well. Um, But yeah, you're going for Kylian Mbappe as your top goal scorer. I'm going to be the cliche, cliche English guy. Go for Harry Kane. I think Harry Kane will stat pad against Wales or USA. Not so much Iran. I feel like Iran, they're going to be a tougher test than people assume. Um, we've seen them previously in the last couple of World Cups do quite well with Carlos Cuellar's manager, who's back again yeah. um, as head coach, which will be very good as well. And then uh, last question I, I asked you, who's going to be your best young player coming through um, at this World Cup? This one's really going to annoy me because Man United should have signed him this summer. And there was even quotes today coming out saying that he was speaking to Ten Hag and saying that he wanted to come to Man United. But my uh, best young comer is going to be Cody Gapko. I feel like um, he's... I did a, a video uh, on him as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like in that Netherlands side, they've got a decent group in Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal... And I feel like this Netherlands side can go a bit far. It's been a while since we've seen Netherlands do well in a good tournament. And I think they missed the last one, to be fair, mm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, so Van Dijk's first tournament, can you imagine, at the age of 30? But um, yeah, so Cody Gapko is going to be one. He's having a ridiculous um, season in the area of Visa right now. Got more goal contributions for all my goal, con- goal contribution stands. He's got more goal contributions than Haaland at the moment. And he's going under the radar. And um, if there's one person you're going to look out, if there's one person that's going to get their move from this World Cup and going to add a, an extra, PSB are going to be laughing because they're going to add an extra 30 million after this World Cup where we try sign him in January or next summer. But yeah, Cody Gapko is, is my person to look out for. Yeah, I mean, I've done a little series on YouTube for best young players going to the World Cup from each team. England, I think I put Reese James, but I did it before he got injured, which is really annoying. I think Germany, I put Musiala, who I thought was kind of robbed of that. Um, young Ballon d'Or award and for the Netherlands I put Cody Gapko as well spoiler if you haven't listened to it already but it's already out there anyway um, but yeah Cody Gapko I think it's been an absolute joy but for me Cody Gapko where do you start him in this Van Hal 5-3-2 um, formation do you play him as a number uh, one of the two strikers do you play him as an attacking midfielder behind the strikers how do you kind of fit him into this side this this is the issue with Van Hal because Van Hal's going to play this 5-3-2 five, five, I feel like he's going to have to play, he's going to have to be one of the two. I know um, some Man United fans, because of his physical presence, and he, the thing is he's a winger, right? Or an inside forward. He's not a striker, and he's not a natural striker. But I feel like because of his physicality, you can put him in that striking, you can put him up top in a two. I don't think he can be a lone striker just yet, but I feel like you can put him in a two because of he's got the physical attributes as a striker would have. Um, so that's why I'm, that's the only reason why I'm quite reluctant to sign him at United, only because I feel like to get the best out of him, you need to play him on the left wing. But Van Gaal doesn't do that. But he's he's when he's played for um, Netherlands so far, he's been playing well. So I expect him to do bits in that Netherlands side. Yeah, I think he's got a couple of goals already as well, which is really nice to yeah. see. So I'm really enjoying, going to really enjoy how he does there um, as well. My young player, who I think, could have a really good tournament. I don't know how they're going to do coming out the group stages, but I'm going to go for Dusan Vlahovic for Serbia. I think he's going to have a very good um, service that he's got in the Serbia in the Serbia team as well. Against the likes of Switzerland, Cameroon, and Brazil, I think it's going to be very enjoyable to see how he does on the world stage because we always tend to forget as well when a lot of young players come through. Kind of like you said with Van Dijk, a lot of them don't get to World Cup until 
they're kind of in their mid mid twenties, sorry, or late late twenties as well, which is going to be good. But Dusan Vlahovic, his career kind of evolved over one season, moving from yeah. Fiorentina dominating in the Serie A, moving to Juventus. Juventus having all the troubles in the world right now as well that we've seen. And then he's going to have this little break going to the, the World Cup with Serbia. So I'd really like to see how he would do um, in this world stage for Serbia, being the next golden boy of Serbian football for the next 10 years, I would imagine. So hopefully, I know he's already got his move to Juventus, but hopefully he gets like another move going forward to a better team where they can actually um, use his services better, uh, which is yeah. really annoying as well because he's one of those players that you're watching. Him and... In a way, Jao Felix, in a way, you're looking at some of these attacking players coming forward and you're like, oh, they deserve better. They deserve to be in a better team. Um, but just like you said, Cody Gapko working under Ruud van Nistra at the moment at PSV Eindhoven as well. They'll be laughing for an extra 30, 40 million after the World Cup, which will come about as well, which will be very good. And also shout out to many and shout out Jude Bellingham as well. I think they're going to be very good players for the, yeah, their respective teams going forward. I want Bellingham to start a lot of these games as well. The, the quality of... Yeah, he should. Him and Rice would be a very good midfield going forward um, as well. It should be good. But no, um, we are coming to the end of the podcast, Tony. So I do want to say thank you very much for your time. It's an absolute pleasure to um, see you and to speak to you again. Um, one last thing before we wrap up the podcast and before I get you to um, mention whatever you wanted to mention as well. Um, from all the World Cups that you've watched, what's been your favourite World Cup memory and why? Oh, my favourite World Cup memory. I saved the most difficult question to last. You know what? Um, 2006 semi-final. So I have, I was obsessed with Italy as a kid. AC Milan, loved AC Milan, loved watching Serie A on ITV4, on ITV. Channel so 4 as well, Channel 5, they just switched for all different broadcasters. Crazy. And I loved Italian football. And my pick for the 2006 World Cup was Italy to win it. My brother picked France. So, the semi-final against Germany, the hosts, the Grosso goal. Now, I know the Grosso goal, I know that it's so iconic, but um, the goal that Del Piero scored... That ball from Pirlo, that's an honourable mention. That was, that's someone I would have had in my 2006 Pirlo. Mm. But the ball from Pirlo, just watching that, because I kind of, like England were out, so I was supporting a team now. I wanted the team to win. And in extra time, I was being so nervous. And that ball from, that reverse ball from Pirlo to Del Piero, just to seal it, like, oh, absolute goosebumps. I knew exactly what I was doing that day. I was only like eight, nine at the time. But it was such a beautiful, beautiful goal to watch and a very good tournament. And so that was probably one of my favourite World Cup memories because it was a team that was supporting getting to a final. And even though I'm not Italian at all, I, know, I like a bit of pizza and pasta here and there. But <laughs> even though I'm not like Italian, that was a team that was supporting and a team that I wanted to go to the World Cup final and wanted to win it. And I, and I felt like I, I felt Italian for them, time, for them for that five minutes or so. But like if anyone could go watch that goal, the ball from Pirlo was absolutely ridiculous. And the finish by Del Piero as well, one of my favourite Italian strikers of all time. So, yeah, that goal and that game as well. What a game it was, a 2-1 after extra time. Insane game and an insane goal as well. And, and when you're looking at some of the players that they had on the pitch at the same time as well, Germany and Italy, it was ridiculous to see the amount of talent they had, which is unbelievable. And you're looking at some of the talent in these kind of games now and these teams now, I should say, and there's not much individual talent in a lot of these 
World Cup teams when you're looking at it. It's more system, more systematic more than anything. And you don't have a lot of individual characters, which we're kind of missing. Like you kind of said, Del Piero, Totti was in that side as well. Grosso, Cannavaro, fantastic players about. And even in the Germany side, you're looking at Michael Ballack, a young Bastian Schweinsteiger. You're looking at Miroslav Closer, Torsten Frings, like we mentioned as well. Philipp Lahm, unbelievable. And it's just really nice to kind of see how they kind of just did it as well, which was great. My favourite World Cup memory from memory, I think is I think it's quite funny um, that you said Italy. But do you remember when Italy? You may you may or may not. But when Italy got um, knocked out by Slovenia, no, not Slovenia, by Slovakia in 2010. Hamšík, Hamšík dominated, absolutely dominated that game as well. And for some reason, the goal that sticks out for me was none of the Slovakian goals was the Quagliarella goal, the chip. Okay. Yeah, the chip. You're, you're free one down and he just chips him like that and it's so calm and blasting. I'm like, what the hell? It's like time oh, still. Gosh, I remember that. You know what? There's always goals. Like, I have this thing where if your team loses and your goal scores, but there's so many goals that I've forgotten because your team got battered that game. Do you remember the 6-1 against Man City and Darren Fletcher's got that banger? Yeah. Anthony's like, goal what? this season is going to be Anthony one of those as well. Like, those goals just get forgotten. Even Rooney at the Etihad, we lost 3-1, I want to say. And Rooney scored an absolute disgusting free kick. Yeah, 4-1. 4-1. Yeah, four one. Pellegrini yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's so many goals that just get forgotten because your team got bad, so you just don't really... They, they don't replay it. You just carry on and just move on. But they're really good goals. And yeah, Cagliaro, yeah. Gosh, you, you tend to forget these goals unless you really think about them. Yeah, I think what we're going to have to do, I think what you need to do for the World Cup um, is just download all the World Cups, like highlight reels yeah, on your on I your plane watch. journey. Just watch them all over. And you're like, oh, I remember this goal. remember that goal. I remember one, one more goal. It's not a favourite memory. One goal that springs to mind. I think Netherlands were playing in Australia and it was Van Howe. Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill. It's Van Howe's one. 5-3-2, Van Persie on the pitch or I think Depay was on the pitch because they had already qualified. Ball over Tim Cahill did an RVP esque volley in front yeah. of like RVP, which I, is insane. I rewatched that. I rewatched that game recently because I remember I I think Ian Robbins scored a really good goal that game. That mm. game that's I think he scored a good goal that game. I want to say it was Ian Robbins, but yeah, that's Tim Cahill goal, and then he done the celebration. celebration. I love yeah. it. It's so so nice as well, and that's what the World Cup does. The World Cup brings so much joy and so many memories from so many different nations as well, and hopefully. Hopefully there'll be some good memories for England going forward as well. Because even though we mentioned some of our favourite memories as well, when you're kind of looking at it, like beating Sweden, beating Colombia on penalties, yeah, that probably was a really good memory at the time, I would say. But Panama, Tunisia, yeah. Yeah, we don't have that many iconic goals. Okay, I'd say one iconic goal was Joe Cole against Sweden in 2006. Mine would be Beckham's penalty against Argentina in 2002. From my generation, anyway, because what 2010 was Defoe against Slovenia and then Matthew Upson against Germany, then that obviously Lampard's <laughs> afterwards, which went great. Um, <laughs> oh, the Lampard one, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so funny and so, so bad. Um, every time I see someone with that kit as well, I'm just like, don't. It just reminds me of Frank Lampard, yeah, which is really bad to see. Um, no, Another goal we haven't mentioned, sorry for, sorry for interrupting. No, is, uh, this is one of my favorite goals I've ever watched live. It was I think it was 2018, Tony Cruz. Oh my Sweden. days! Oh, oh my days! Oh my days! Oh my days! Oh my days! What? Yeah, ridiculous goal! Absolutely oh. ridiculous. I remember Tony Cruz. 
I remember watching that as well. That was um, last minute as well, wasn't it? Last minute kick, a cute angle. I remember watching it and I remember going, it, it got me so nostalgic remembering back at it. I remember going in the garden at my cousin's house where we were watching it and trying to replicate it straight trying away. Trying to replicate it, yeah. It's something yeah. you do as a kid. The next day you want to replicate some, some something that you've seen or something that you're trying to do. There's the Dan Rude, like the flip back from Ronaldinho. I tried replicating that Tony Cruz uh, pass to Royce, pass back, whip it in. I was like, oh, such a joy. I mean, I managed to find that video. If I find a video, I'll send it to you. But I remember it was so enjoyable as well, watching that um, that really good goal by Tony Cruz as well. And one more goal from me as well, um, before we wrap up the podcast as well. Do you remember Ronaldinho's goal? No, Ronaldo's goal. You're like this again, against Ghana in 2006. Yeah. Step overs, going around the keepers. Vintage Ronaldo. Any, anything against Ghana, I'm here for. I, th- I think that's <laughs> the Far off the line. Yeah, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. We love it. We love it. It's so, so good. But no, I think that's a really good way of ending it. Because again, like I said, the World Cup is such a joyous occasion. And I honestly just hope it's going to be joyous for you as well, Tony. So even though I know you'll be working out there, will you be get to will you get to go out to some of the games as well and get to enjoy it yeah, yeah. off, off work? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go out to some games there. Like, I know I'll be working for some of them, but some of them I'm going to just enjoy as a fan as well and get to just in, uh, enjoy like the whole my, my first ever World Cup so I'm, I'm gonna enjoy it brilliant no, I love to hear it if I if I was to say you could do like a, a video blog or something that'd be sick like going through different games and stuff like that I'm, I'm, I'm gonna think I'm gonna think of doing that especially when I'm not working I'm gonna see like just vlogging myself out of some games and doing some content and I'm gonna see if I can make that happen let's, let's make it happen that'd be really good um, but everyone thank you very much for listening Tony if okay thank you very much for your time uh, again it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and all the best for the World Cup do you have any closing messages for our listeners um, for, for anything really if they want to follow you if they want to learn more from you um, the floor is yours Tony um, yeah you can follow me at Tony if okay T-O-N-I-A-F-O-K-E um, thank you again for uh, bringing me on the Friday Night Cancer Attack podcast and I loved it and got some really good World Cup memories and really tracking my brain it's got me it's got me amped up for the World Cup now so I'm, I'm really excited about it and again thank you for having me no it's my pleasure as always hopefully we'll get this podcast released when you're on your way out to Qatar so you can listen back to it and you can listen back and when I listen back to mine I'm like why the hell did I forget this memory and this memory and <laughs> yeah. this memory and this player and this player and this player I'm like oh my days messed up so well but um, no thank you very much again it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you and um, whoever's team is best, do comment on our social medias below or, co- or comment in the comments of whose five side is best as well. We'll have to release that when the time is due. Um, but yeah, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Tony, absolute pleasure as always. Do find us on our social medias and do give us a thumbs up on whatever platform you're listening to us to. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>